Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. He is the God who's all-powerful. I'm not even here unless he exists. I'm not even here unless he formed and fashioned me. So when those anxious thoughts come in, you know what I can do? I can just go right to him and say, look, God, you know me. You know me. You know me better than I know me. And I got this thing going on right now. And I want to be just like 1 Peter 5, 7. I want to cast all my cares or my anxieties, the other translation, onto you. Why? Because he cares about you. It's like a fresh spring rain that washes away all the dirt of the melting snow. Finally, all the cold, frozen-in-place feelings and thoughts are lifted away because God changes us for the better. And all of that change takes place first and foremost because He has the power to do so. Pastor James talks about how God is all-powerful, and we are who we are because of it. It's great to rest in this knowledge and take all of what Satan hands us—anxiety, fear, depression—and lay it at the cross of Jesus. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Psalms, chapter 139. As Pastor James continues his message, He is still here. Here's what's, here's what's amazing about this. Almighty, all-powerful God who has created you, he can't stop thinking about you. He can't stop thinking about you. He's obsessed with you. If I could say it that way, like in a good, healthy way, you know? Not like if you've had relationships before where somebody's like, hey, you've been thinking about me today? Uh, not really. Um, yes, I should probably say yes because you're kind of scaring me now. It's not like creepy. It's like God is... He loves you so much. Look, I mean, here's what David says, verse 17. How precious are your thoughts about me? The other way to translate that is, how precious to me are your thoughts? I think the more appropriate translation, I can't believe you think about me. I cannot believe you, God Almighty, think about me, this nothing person. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. Holy cow, what a miracle. Like you never leave me. You never stop thinking about me. You're always on his mind. And that's not just a song that Willie Nelson sang one time. I think that's the right reference. I don't know. You're always on his mind. So let's let's look at this. You're always on God's mind. He's always thinking about you. Partnered with Jesus, the great intercessor, who is always praying for you. Partnered with the Holy Spirit, who is God, who lives inside of you and is always with you. Holy Spirit lives in you, always with you. Jesus Christ is always praying for you nonstop, every single day. How can he pray for me and however many other Christians on this planet? Because he's God. Okay? Solve the problem right there. He's God, all right? You can't do it because you're not God. You're not him, all right? But he is. He's praying for you all the time. Then God the Father never stops thinking about you. Never. 
Never. You can't even number the thoughts he has concerning you. And the assumption here is that they're not even like bad thoughts. Like, oh man, what did they do now? Like, uh, did he really say that? I can't believe he said that. Maybe those are part of it. I don't really know. But the context leads you to believe that his thoughts are just full of love towards you. It's amazing. And when you wake up in the morning, guess what? He's there. He's there. He's like, hey, ready for another day? I've been thinking about you. Been thinking about you. You ready to go? Let's go. Let's go. Verse 19. Here's where it goes. This seems like where it goes off, right? You're like reading through this and you're like, oh, this is so beautiful, so poetic, so amazing. And then it's like, oh God, if you would only destroy the wicked. You're like, wait, what happened? Like, what did I miss? Did I did my Bible leave out a verse or something? No, this is David. This is David. Read the Psalms, and you see this all throughout the Psalms. He, his heart just builds and swells with emotion and, and this love and adoration for God. And it just builds and builds and builds and builds. And then he thinks of all the people who hate God, who hate this God who loves him so much. And he, he's, he wants to be holy like God is holy. He's so loving, he's longing for righteousness is really what this next part, if you can summarize it. It's David longing for righteousness. So, so, oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked, get out of my life, you murderers. David dealt with murderers, okay? So I don't know if this is something you're praying. If it is, we'll pray for you. You need new friends, I think, maybe. You're hanging around the wrong people. I don't know, but... This is David who was being like, oftentimes he was being hunted by a crazy king, King Saul, and then also he was hunted by his own son for a while. David knows what it's like to deal with people who are coming after him and who are not even just coming after him, but devising schemes against him and lying about him. And here he is saying like, God, you know me. You know me. There are other people, they think they know me, but they don't know me. You know me. And I find comfort in that. Now, how about you deal with these people, <laughs> is what he says, right? He's like, now, concerning these people. In other Psalms, he's like, can you just, like, kick their teeth in? Can you do that? Like, just kick their teeth in. And I'm like, man, David's hardcore. My prayer life is nothing like this. I can be honest with you. I don't have, like, I, have, I don't have, like, my good list and then my bad list, right? I don't have that going on. Lord, go get those. This is just him longing, crying out for righteousness. Verse 20, he says, they blaspheme you. They speak against you. Your enemies misuse your name, or they take your name in vain. Oh, Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. And we read this, and we're like, this is bad. Like, this is sin, right? Tell me this is sin. Here's, let me boil it down like this. I'll read you this quote from a a pastor who's long since been dead, but uh, Horn, he says, a good man hates not the persons of men, but their sins. Not what God made them, but what they have made themselves. And to simplify that, we hate the sin, but we don't hate the sinner, right? And I think that kind of, you can kind of boil it, what David is communicating was like, look, man, Lord, I just... I don't like anybody who speaks against you. You're my God. You love me. You think about us all the time. I mean, he just could go on and on and on. And then there's these people who absolutely hate you. 
Shouldn't I be upset about that? Shouldn't I be moved by that? And the answer is, yeah, you should be. As long as you're getting down to the core element. And the core element is sin. It's sin. Because there's plenty of people within our world that they, they hate God. You may know some people that absolutely cannot stand God. But you don't hate that person. But you have every right to hate the hate and to hate the sin that has consumed them. David's longing for righteousness. That's the difference. He's not just hating for hate's sake. He longs for righteousness. And he wants his God, who he loves so much, to be revered and respected. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. If you find yourself in company of people who are taking the Lord's name in vain, you know, just dropping it everywhere. And you have every right as a Christ follower to say, you know what? That's offensive. Can you not say that, please? Can you say something else? Do you have, is your vocabulary? Don't say this. Okay, don't say this. My, I just go, I'm like, is your vocabulary that limited to just four-letter words? Come on, I'll buy you a dictionary. I'll buy you a thesaurus, right? Like, figure it out. There's bigger and more beautiful words out there, okay? And even the angry words, there are better ones to use than the one. You have every right as a Christ follower to say, you know what, I'm sorry, but that's offensive. And I know in the day and age in which we live, everything's offensive. But no, no, that's like really, you're speaking against my God. And I I would I would really like for you to not do that. When I'm around, don't talk like that. Listen, I've been in all sorts of avenues and, and where there are no filters. Maybe you have too. We work construction, you know, like, man, there's no filters. There's no filters at all. I've been in locker rooms as a chaplain and, you know, players talk like players talk, all that good stuff. But when they find out you're a pastor, well, everybody cleans up their act for whatever reason when they find out you're a pastor. And I'm like, look, you don't need to clean it up for me. However, there are certain things that I just... I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. Other words, they don't bother me. I'm not offended by that. But when you bring my God into the equation, well, then I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that. Don't address Jesus Christ unless he's standing right there with you, okay? Okay, his name isn't like some expletive or anything like that. Don't bring my God into this. Be respectful, be mindful. And people usually will most of the time. But there should be this, what we would call a holy indignation. Some things should upset us as Christians. They just should. Because why? Because we're longing for righteousness, just like David here. We long for righteousness, and we want God to be respected. Respected. You don't have to believe in him. You don't have to follow him. But the least you could do is respect him, or at least respect me and my belief in him. And if you're a decent human being then that's not hard to do. The challenging thing is finding decent human beings nowadays. <laughs> it's getting more challenging because why? Well, that's, no, don't, don't, press, don't press your whatever onto me. Uh, listen, if we just learn to be nice to each other and a little bit more respectful towards each other, that'd be, that'd be just a, it's not going to solve anything. It's not going to make problems go away, but at least we could be respectful to each other. So he throws that in there, and then he just comes right back around with his last two verses here. Look at this. Search me, O God. This is so fitting for what he just said, I think. I find this somewhat comical to a certain extent, right? 
Search me, O God, and know my heart, right? And that even highlights verse one. You know, O Lord, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. And then he's like, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I love that how David, he gets upset for those who are really dishonoring, disrespecting God but then it almost becomes self-reflective in that sense. It leads him, and it should always lead us into this type of prayer for ourselves. Anytime you encounter somebody who is just like so like an enemy of God, quote unquote, right? They hate everything that you stand for. They hate the fact that you go to church, that you have, and they even mention Jesus. They hate that, right? And then you walk away from that, and you're frustrated, and you're mad, and you're aggravated, and all that good stuff. I would encourage you, to make 23 and 24 your prayer. Lord, search me. The reason why I say that is because we can walk away from those conversations and and this self-righteous thing can escalate within our hearts and our minds. We're better than them, somewhat, to, to whatever degree. The reality is, oftentimes the only difference between, quote unquote, an enemy of God and a believer is, it's just that, it's a relationship with Jesus. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Lord, search my heart. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Test me. Well, I don't like that. What? Can't take it out. It's right there. Test me. Try me. Like, turn up the fire. Get all that junk, all those impurities to to bubble up to the surface. That's what he's saying. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. That's, I love this because here's David, King David, who's like, you know, I mean, I know he, he's got his flaws. I mean, we, I think we all know that. I think we all know the Bathsheba story, right? We get it. Like, this guy was not perfect at all. But he wrote so many of these psalms and had such a great, tremendous, what, close relationship with God. And he's like, I, man, God, I, I got this thing with anxious thoughts. I got this thing with anxiety. I know I shouldn't be anxious, but my mind is prone to anxiety, Not all the time, but I think we can relate to that. I think we can feel that because there are times within my life where those anxious thoughts can become overwhelming. And it's always wise to go back to this prayer and say, Lord, search me, examine me, know my heart, test me, and Lord, know or, or make known or reveal these anxious thoughts. Why are they there? Why are they there? And usually anxious thoughts oftentimes point back to to really an issue of trust. It really comes down to an issue of trust. And almost always, that's an issue of not trusting God. I can say that experientially and emphatically. Anxiety is, it's not something that operates on its own. It's usually always connected to trust. And when I become anxious, it's oftentimes within circumstances and situations where I just don't trust him. I don't trust him. Yet, when I read back through the psalm, I'm like, okay, so he's a God who knows everything, and he knows me. He's a God who's ever-present, and he is always with me. He is a God who's all-powerful. I'm not even here unless he exists. I'm not even here unless he formed and fashioned me. So when those anxious thoughts come in, you know what I can do? I can just go right to him and say, look, God, you know me. You know me. You know me better than I know me. And I got this thing going on right now. And I want to be just like 1 Peter 5, 7. I want to cast all my cares or my anxieties, the other translation, onto you. Why? Because he cares about you. 
And you almost kind of get a reference for that here in Psalm 139. Know my anxious thoughts. Lord, here's my anxious thoughts. They're yours. Please take them from me. Take them from me. Point out anything in me that offends you. Well, that's something to be, that's something to be mindful of. Maybe, you know, we live in a day of like, I mean, you can't say anything without offending somebody. Like, this is crazy. This is a, such a weird world to live in today. Like, I'm sure that, there have been plenty of teachings where I know, I know unintentionally, sometimes intentionally, I've offended people simply for saying this or that. I get it. And we're so concerned about like, don't say something that's going to offend me. And I don't want to say something that's going to offend them. We have very little care if, if anything we're doing actually offends God. <laughs> we don't check that one, do we? We don't check that one that often. Like, and here's David. He's like, Lord, um, examine me. If there's anything in me that offends you, well, point it out so I can what? Repent of it. So I can repent of it. I don't want to offend other people, but what we know about Christianity is the gospel is offensive. It really is offensive because the gospel says you're a sinner and Jesus died to save you because you're a sinner and you can't go to heaven on your own merit. But he solved that. So you don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven. You just got to surrender your life to Jesus. Well, that's offensive. That's offensive. You call me a sinner? Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. The Bible is. The Bible is calling you a sinner. How dare you? I know. I know. How dare I? Okay. I would encourage you. I would encourage myself. Memorize 23 and 24. Pray them as often as you need to. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and help me not to get offended by that God, right? Because that's what we'll do. Like he'll point it out and we'll be like, oh, I can't believe you. I can't believe you went there. I can't believe you pointed that one out, God, right? Like just own it, (laughs) whatever it is, own it. Yep, you revealed that. Okay, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have said that. Whatever it is, I own it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. And that's what he's doing. If you're following the Lord, Jesus Christ himself said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Just keep following Jesus. Follow Jesus. And I would, I would encourage each and every one of us to look back at God and just be in awe and amazement at how awesome he truly is. And if you don't, if, if you're having a hard time seeing that, what you need to do, just go park on the beach or by the beach. If you can park on it, that's fine. And just go stare out at that water that big mass of water and let that take you to a place where he created that in all its depth and all its beauty and all the things that live underneath the surface of it. That's really, I mean, that's close. Proximity wise that I would say if we live, you know, in Colorado, I'd say like, go stare at a mountain. He made that. And the same God, go look out if there's stars out at night and planets and all, look at those things. And he made all of those things, but he saved the best for last. He saved the best for last. And that's human beings. Day six, the best for last. All the other stuff is like decoration. It's just decoration. It's just God being super creative and artistic and amazing. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to form this dude out of this dirt and then... Apart from anything else I've ever done in creation, I'm going to stoop down and breathe breath, the breath of life, into his lungs. He didn't do that for anything else. He didn't do it for animals. He didn't do it for any creation. He did it for humanity. 
So when you step outside and you see all this beautiful, all the beauty, all the beauty, know this. He saved the best for last, and you're the best because he loves you, because he never stops thinking about you. He's just consumed with you. He loves you so much. He's an awesome God, even in the midst of things we can't understand. And, and that's part of why we're, we were, so like why Psalm 139? Partly because I just needed to be reminded that in the midst of craziness and circumstances, he's still in control. And he not only loves us and has a plan for us, but he has a plan for our loved ones as well, right? The ones that were like, but God, no, but God, we're, we'll be losing our baby Friday, our foster baby for six months, for six months we've had her and we've been praying the whole time. We're praying like, oh God, please let there be a way. We'll make, we'll adopt her. We'll adopt her if you work it out, you know, and all this good stuff. And it's like, no, she's got to go. She's got to go. Okay, so you get that, you understand that. But that's just, it's another one of those crushing things where you're like, it's what we signed up to do, but I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Because in these, in these circumstances where it's beyond your control, you really have to trust God where you're like, I don't know where she's going. Is that the best place? There's questions. But I know who will be with her every moment, every day, for the rest of her life, and he's the best, and he's the best. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for psalms like this, where it's just like, your goodness is, uh, is on full display. It's on full display from verse 1 all the way, all the way to verse 24, Lord. It's just, it's amazing. You're all-powerful, you're all-knowing, you're ever-present, and you love us so, so much. And you care about people that we care about even more than us. And that's hard to fathom sometimes, Lord. It's also hard to, it's hard to fathom, Lord, sometimes the, the ever-present thing. Lord, there's been many moments within my life and my walk with you where it just doesn't feel like you're there at all. But I pray, Lord, that within my own heart and for our hearts represented here as well, is that we would not rely on emotion or we wouldn't substitute fact for emotion or a feeling. The fact is, you are always with us. You will never leave us, and you will never forsake us. You yourself have said that in your word. And so we find comfort in that, and we, we just appreciate that, Lord. I thank you that that rings true for the ones that we care about, Lord. I know that there's prodigals represented who at one point in time said yes to you, Jesus, but now they live a life that's contrary to that. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would turn around and just own it and just run back to you. I pray for loved ones who have yet to surrender their lives to you. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would meet them where they're at and that they would surrender to you. We just thank you. Thank you so much for your grace within our lives. And I thank you, Lord, that we can be found, regardless of the circumstances, we can be found right in the center of your palm, Lord Jesus. And there's nothing that can separate us from you. So we pray you get us through certain circumstances, storms, and all that good stuff, Lord. You're our only hope. You're all we got, Lord. So we thank you for that. Pray for all the foster kids in the system right now. There's too many. There's just too many, Lord. We pray that, pray that you would, man, that you would just take care of all the, all the broken, all the brokenness within our world today, Lord. We just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless.
You've been listening to the radio ministry Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're based out of Galveston, Texas, with the support of Calvary Galveston and listeners like you. We trust that what you heard in today's message stirred something inside of you to a point of action. These teachings are meant to help you find hope and new life in Jesus, and that's our heart's desire for you today. If you're in the Galveston area, would you come be a part of what's happening at Calvary Galveston? Our atmosphere is simple, laid back, and uncomplicated. We just want to magnify Jesus at all ages. To learn more about our ministry, we invite you to visit breadforthebroken.com. We also do a live stream on Facebook, so check it out, even if you are a little further away. If you're interested in hearing more messages like this one, you can do that by going to the Listen tab at breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, why not discover a little more about the church and this ministry, as well as look for opportunities to partner with us here. There's a Give tab that's easily accessible on our website too, if you feel led to support us in a financial way. We'd also love it if you would join us in praying for this ministry. Pastor James is excited to share new things with you in the coming study. There's always more that we can gain from diving deep into God's Word. Until next time, we encourage you to stay connected to God and His Word, and to then come back for more solid teachings right here. We'll be waiting for you, here on Bread for the Broken.